I'm Margaret Brennan. Welcome to Facing Forward. This week, a $2 trillion jolt to boost the lagging economy. The motion is adopted. President Biden signs the second largest relief bill in American history. This bill represents a historic victory for the American people. It massively expands welfare for families with children, includes direct payments to most Americans, and allocates billions to vaccine distribution. But one year and six trillion taxpayer dollars later, millions of American women remain jobless or unable to return to work due to the pandemic. What we have learned in the pandemic is other countries have social safety nets. The U.S. has women. How do we lift the burden and aid the recovery? My guest this week, Wall Street titan Sally Krawcheck, CEO of Elevest. Her mission, getting money into the hands of women. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Sally Krawcheck, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So I want to sort of tap into your your Wall Street brain for a second here Mm -hmm. and get a sense of (laughs) where we are a year into this pandemic. I mean, we are surrounded Mm -hmm. by these horrible numbers in terms of the loss in this country. Mm -hmm. But then you look at the stock market, it's Mm -hmm. doing quite well. Economic growth is trending in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is this all the vaccine that's powering this? Or is it the $6 trillion that taxpayers have pumped into the problem? The, the answer is yes. It, it, so first of all, I love that you said my Wall Street brain, I guess, as opposed to my human brain um, <laughs> or my regular brain. But the, the, first of all, the stock market is not the economy. The stock market is a forward-looking um, construction that says what are earnings going to be for you know, these companies across, really across the world. And so what the stock market is telling us is you know, the economy remains crummy, certainly not nearly as bad as it was some months ago. It remains crummy. But as we get people vaccinated and back out and into the workforce, and as we get this stimulus, so um, money is being spent back into the economy, um, and as there's this good old American innovation that happens with these amazing companies that get founded every year, and some fall to the wayside and others grow and become massive, um, the stock market is telling you things are going to be better. It's not telling you things are going to be better for everybody, but it's telling you these groups of companies that make up the stock market are going to have earnings growth going forward. I'm thinking back to conversations I had with some very prominent economists like a, a few months into this pandemic who were looking at the wave of what then appeared to be bankruptcies that would be mm-hmm. headed towards us and mm-hmm. just total financial destruction. Are you surprised that 
all of this hasn't spiraled into a financial crisis for banks? Well, it could have. You know, and for all that, um, I know it's really important that we all complain about Washington, D.C. all the time (laughs) um, and give them no credit for anything. Um, A real different, you know, back in March of last year, it was very reminiscent of 2007, 2008, but worse because, of course, with a pandemic. The difference between last year and then is the stimulus package came in very quickly and the government acted very quickly in in real size um, such that. You absolutely have, have had devastation, but it hasn't been evenly distributed. Where there is, and you probably, Margaret, hear about the K-shaped recovery, because what you've seen is, yep, Bank of America looks fine, you know, uh, IBM looks fine, the mm-hmm. corner um, store, the corner retail store, the restaurant devastation, and we yeah. see this K-shape happening in lots of different places. It's happening in the stock market too where the companies that are doing well, the prices are going up, others are down. We see it you know, between the genders, where men are recovering more quickly than women. We see it you know, across racial lines as well. And, and really, in general, people who've been doing better, who were winning before, are recovering more quickly, and people who were behind are recovering less quickly. Mm-hmm. So do you think that like the banks are now in a safe enough position not to have to deal with mortgage loan losses and financial losses from all those businesses and well, where the pressure is. Well, we'll have to see. You know, the, yeah. the issue with the big banks is they are opaque mm-hmm. and they are highly leveraged, meaning they have quite a lot of debt for every dollar of equity that they have. The markets are telling you they're okay, you know, and the markets aren't geniuses, but the markets pick up bits of information on the economy. If the markets are telling you the economy is going to be stronger than that, by its nature, is good for banks. Mm -hmm. And the Fed easing capital requirements on banks last year, do you think that should stay in place? Well, not for forever, but, you know, to get us through to the other side for, you know, yes. So one of the big achievements uh, for the Biden administration in just their first few weeks of office is this huge $2 trillion legislative mm-hmm. package. It's got all these social programs that target low-income families. Mm-hmm. Do you think that these programs will become permanent? Like, are we watching the reshaping yeah. of U.S. society? I hope so. I hope what so. Um, well, so first of all, I spe- you know, as you know, I am the uh, CEO and, and co-founder of Elevest, which is a financial company, started as an investing company, now as a fuller financial company that was built for for women. And so I spend my life, Margaret, thinking about women and money, women. And I dream, I wake up at 2.30 in the morning thinking about Mm -hmm. women and money. And what we, you know, you and I, if we'd been speaking a year ago, would have been talking about the advancement of women in the Mm -hmm. economy. Uh, We would have said it's not fast enough, but gosh, you know, women are moving forward and that gender pay gap that exist 82 cents to a white man's dollar is moving slowly in the right direction. In this downturn, what we have seen, there's a quote from a sociologist called, um, named Jessica Clarko, who I've never met, but I'm saying her name everywhere, <laughs> that I, that's going to stay with me forever, which is what we have learned in the pandemic is other countries have social safety nets. The U.S. has women, yep. and particularly women of color. And so what we've seen is decades of progress are getting wiped out in months. 
And women have been have had to leave their jobs, um, have been fired at a rate greater than men, in part because they're more in the service industries, restaurant workers. They've risked their lives to a greater extent than men have, more frontline, more nurses, et cetera. For women who are privileged enough to work from the home, they have lost productivity, tens of percentage points of productivity. Men have become 50% more productive working from home. Men are being promoted at three times the rate of women right now. As these old, you know, as in the homes, the old gender roles are coming back in, in full force. You know, you look at this and you say, how, how did we revert to 1954 so dang fast? Mm -hmm. um, and so when you look, you say, well, it's because when things got rocky, um, there, there wasn't that, that safety net for women. And so we, you know, we live in a country of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Here's your friggin' self-help book. And this past year has shown that the richest country in the history of the world, right? But yet we, we aren't supporting our families. We aren't supporting our women. We aren't supporting people of color. And so this will, according to Tax Policy Center, this, this whole package will provide a 20% boost in after-tax income to the lowest earning 20% of households. Mm -hmm. That's with all these, you know, essentially paying families who have children, yeah. um, um, making $150,000 a year or less. But all the other things that, that we just rattled off that in the developing mm -hmm. world are kind of standard fare, uh, paid leave, things like that. That's still later on the calendar for the administration. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that in this environment, it is possible um, to sell the American public on, mm -hmm. on adopting that more European style? Because obviously, you know, here in Washington, it's, it's described as, by conservatives as this liberal wish list. Um, and yet there's also this populist yeah. movement within the Republican Party that says, hey, maybe if we're pro-family, maybe we should be doing some of these things. Mm -hmm. Like, are, are we in a period yeah. where this is all changing? Well, I hope so. And so a couple of things. First of all, that money that's going to the poorest folks, that's terrific. Because, and, and terrific from a human perspective, using my human brain, <laughs> you know, to help these families is also terrific for the economy because guess what they do? They spend it. If you give it to a wealthy person, they save it right? This money will be spent. It will go into the economy. In terms of things like mandated paid parental leave, um, I hope that the time has come. Mm -hmm. And I hope that people look with their heads as well as their hearts, because we have mischaracterized um, mandated paid parental leave as an expense for too long. What we've really missed is it's an investment, because if you, if you provide this investment for these families, she is more likely to come back to work. So you are often introduced as having been one of the most powerful women on Wall Street. And I wonder if you like that. Do you like having your gender mentioned or, or do you hate it? Because <laughs> I, I have conflicting feelings about this myself in my own role. I, uh, I actually, know, I don't, I, well, you know, it's funny. I was going to say, I don't think about it. I think about being a woman every day, probably, you know, every, every minute. I would like to be at a place where we no longer know, you know, who, who there's so many powerful women on Wall Street or in technology or in science that we don't know who they all are, mm -hmm. right? You know, what, what I don't love is, you know, Jane Frazier, I mean, I love Jane Frazier and I think she's going to do a great job as the CEO of City. I'm a real fan. 
but I don't like it that we all know that she's that one. I want it to be, I want no more most powerful women in whatever conferences because there would just be too many women there. Hmm. And do you think the gender title diminishes the accomplishment? I think in a patriarchal society, <laughs> you know, for sure. And, and yeah. I've had those feelings, you know, so founding Alavest, a financial company built by women for women. Um, when people said to me, Margaret, oh, you know, you ran Merrill, you, you went with Barney. Why don't you go do one of these firms for women and help women invest? And Margaret, I got to tell you, for quite a while, I'm like, that is just, you know, it's junior varsity. It's going to have to be this sort of, you know, less than robust. And how dare you? And women don't need their own thing. We can hang mm -hmm. with the men. And I had all that. And when we launched, by the way, 40%, 35, 40% of women, when they saw our ads, were like, for women, how dare you? That's offensive, right? And it's going to be dumbed down and it's going to be not as good and it's going to be junior varsity. And pink. And pink <laughs> and pink. And then they went in, they go into what was then the investing algorithm, the only one that takes gender into account, which doesn't matter if you're a man because you earn more money and you die sooner. Matters for retirement planning for a woman. When you earn less, your salary peaks sooner and you die later, right? You run out of money. But when they would go in and look at the algorithm, they come out and say, actually, it's more sophisticated than what else, what else is out there. I want to talk more about your business and the wage gap after this mm -hmm. quick break. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. So, Sally, you've held some of the top positions at very prestigious firms on Wall Street. Then you go and you found this boutique firm. Mm -hmm. And as you were just explaining, it, it tailors products to women. If money's gender neutral, so why do you need a tailored mm -hmm. platform? Yeah. So first of all, I hope it's not boutique for very long. I hope it's going to be massive. Um, the reason that I hope that, um, besides that, that would be fun to build, is that money is women's number one source of stress today. But the act of saving and investing, taking action around it is the number one driver of confidence, of her confidence in her future and her ability to achieve her future goals. We never really talk about the gender wealth gap, which is 32 cents to a white man's dollar and is driven in part by the fact that she doesn't invest as much, that she has mm -hmm. higher interest rate debt than he does. The Wall Street view is, well, women don't invest as much as men do because they're risk averse. In other words, it's sort of their fault and right. they just need to change. Another hypothesis is that men built an industry for themselves, just as by the way, is the case in medicine, right? And in other industries. And so you look and you say, huh, CNBC and, you know, CNBC is sort of ESPN for money and this trading totally. and, and Bitcoin and GameStop and buy low and sell high. Maybe that sort of sports-like atmosphere appeals to men maybe we can build something for women. And so maybe it's not their fault. Maybe it's that the product hasn't fit them. Mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, 
in this environment right now, how hard is it? Because cash is tight for the women you're talking about, right? So yeah. who is your average customer? Who yeah. has money to put into the market right now on, on the retail side? Well, so we, we started out investing only. And we tried to be as inclusive as possible. We have no investing minimum. And investing minimums, by the way, to be a little sparky, are by their nature sexist and, and racist because you know these you, you have to have money, five thousand dollars, two hundred fifty thousand dollars to get these professional services. We said we'll do it at you know a penny. You know the people who are investing are those who have gotten the credit card debt paid off, um, who have saved up the emergency fund, who are investing in the four hundred one k. Those are the ones who are ready to invest. So we started with investing in part because it's the hardest problem to solve. Uh, we thought, and where there was real need for innovation because the industry algorithms of the digital advisors have tended to default toward, you know, an average person, i.e. a man in their view. And I think you made an earlier point that was so important, which is just looking at the demographics, women live longer Mm -hmm. and therefore not having that cushion saved away, that nest egg, it just comes at a greater cost of their, you know, future. So, you know, there, there's research out there 80% of women die single. Women live six to eight years longer than the men in their lives. When women outsource the management of the money in their household to their partner, which is still what is traditionally done, and that money comes back to her, 74% of women have a negative surprise. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you the other thing, you know, we don't in this country talk about our retirement Um, problem, I wouldn't say crisis yet, but problem that we don't have enough money saved up for our population for retirement, or we never talk about it being a gender issue, but it's a woman's issue. And what's even scarier is, you know, you can borrow money to go to college. You can't borrow money for retirement. And that, so what what would be your like top two things for young women in particular, starting out in their careers to think about? It's get yourself as straight on your money as you can, as soon as you can. Um, And so number one, you know, in that first job, work on getting the credit card debt, then work on getting an emergency fund at the beginning, one month of take home pay, three months up to six months. And from then on, begin to invest in the four in your 401k or an investment account. Is there anything that you see coming out of this pandemic that creates real progress for closing um, the the pay and the wealth gaps? Or is it all going to have to come from individual choices like you're talking about and and private? You know, it it can't. So there are, of course, individual choices up by the bootstrap decisions we can make. But if you are saddled with student loan debt coming out of college, that's tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars, that's crushing to you, you are so far behind the starting line to begin with um, that, you know, how can you build wealth when you've got this big rock on your back? Um, And so this generation has been saddled with with, um, things like that. And um, by the way, I'm just getting, just be clear, I'm getting more and more liberal as I get older. I'm like, (laughs) just just forgive it all. Let's give those kids, you know, for goodness sake, everybody's been in the home for a year everybody's, you know, had their careers impacted. Can we just give these kids a break and move on? The other, the other thing I think, which isn't going to come out of any, any bill for women is we need to change how we talk to women about money 
And we as women need to change our internal dialogue. So you and I were talking earlier about how, you know, in CNBC, ESPN for money, there's so much male money media, Cranes and Barron's and Bloomberg, that's all very growth oriented, very positive, um, very make a lot of money. There's no real money media for women. And what the research shows you is it's something like two thirds of articles to women about money are negative. You know, mm-hmm. financial planning doesn't have to be really, really hard. You know, buckle your seatbelt. And the other third is either patronizing, take this money quiz, or guilt inducing. Don't buy the latte, invest the money. Don't have the facial. Don't buy the shoes. Don't be a carry. And nobody's over here telling the guys, don't buy the T-bone. And so for men today, money is a source of strength. And, you know, you say money, they say, oh, strength, power, independence. And for women, you say money and they say loneliness and isolation, uncertainty. Now, it's, um, you know, you talked earlier, you spoke earlier about uh, changes at the top that we're seeing Mm -hmm. that are positive in terms of leadership. And I was looking back at some of your interviews and you had said something that I think is interesting, which wasn't so much about the glass ceiling, but the glass cliff. Mm. And that Mm -hmm. in times of crisis, it's women and minorities who are given opportunities that they'd previously been denied. So Mm -hmm. are you saying at this moment, when we see, you know, female black CEO, female CEO, that we should also go, oh gosh, (laughs) because they're being set up for failure? Or is something different this time? What do you mean by glass cliff? Well, so, you know, I've been on the glass cliff a couple of times in my career. You know, when um, I was brought into City to run Smith Barney after the research scandal in the early 2000s um, to to clean it up, I knew full well that it was, um, I never would have had that job if everything was going well, it would have been the next man in line. This is a very male dominated culture at the time. Um, you know, when times are good, just keep the conveyor belt going, right? Just keep the people coming in who've worked there for their whole lives. But they were giving me a broken business. Same thing when I was brought in to run Merrill Lynch after Bank of America bought it. The attrition rate was massive amongst the financial advisors. Was, Sally, we need a break, come in and fix it. Um, the challenge is there's so few women and people of color in these senior jobs. So you're brought in to fix something, which by definition isn't easy. If it was easy to have fixed it, it would have been fixed already. So you're given a higher bar. And if you fail, which you're more likely to because it's broken, then it's sort of like, ah, I told you. Mm -hmm. I told you, right? Nobody ever got fired for promoting the next person who looks just like the person who just (laughs) left, right? But you do get fired for taking a big risk. And so, yeah, I, when women, when people of color are brought into, uh, you know, troubled businesses, you have to say an extra, you have to send extra good wishes their way. Do you think there should be quotas and corporate boards like they have in Europe? I'm getting there. You know, I wouldn't say I'm there, but I, I am, I'm starting to get there. Um, that it, I guess by the time I die, if we haven't reached full parity, um, because the research is clear. It's clear that more diverse boards, more diverse leadership teams, only good things happen. Higher returns on equity, lower risk, 
greater innovation, greater client engagement. Diverse teams are so powerful that they outperform smarter, higher IQ teams. And I like what I see coming from the Goldman Sachs, et cetera, who are saying we're not going to take companies public without having diversity on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like the way that's moving, but I, you know, 10 years ago, I was in, oh, Margaret, no quotas, that's your socialist. And now I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe. Did you worry though, that it sometimes leads to either people being set up for failure, kind of another version of the glass cliff you're talking about where people are just like, oh, check the box, push this person into this yeah. role. I mean, yeah, can it backfire? Well, look, I would actually say it'd be the opposite, which is the research tells us that um, white men in the majority are today promoted based on potential. Women, people of color, women of color are today promoted based on achievement. If you are going for people who are in are underrepresented, then you're actually taking your average up. And so you get people who have been held to a higher standard and you're having the positive impact of diversity. Mm. What you need is the best person for the team, right? The best person who rounds out the team, not the person who reminds you so darn much of yourself. (laughs) Sally Krawcheck, it's been great talking to you. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Now to an underreported story that could have an impact on the race to vaccinate America. The U.S. State Department says Russia's intelligence agencies are spreading disinformation online to undermine confidence in vaccines developed in the West. The State Department's Global Engagement Center, which tracks foreign disinformation efforts, says intelligence agencies have directed at least four platforms to sow doubts over the efficacy of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says the administration is pushing back. We will fight with every tool we have, uh, disinformation, and we will reiterate that at every opportunity, these vaccines are safe. Uh, We will have, of course, health and medical experts conveying that at every turn, and we will uh, look for ways to combat disinformation. The administration revealed the names of the four Russian platforms are Newsfront, New Eastern Outlook, Oriental Review, and Rebel Inside. Another reminder that U.S. adversaries are attempting to take advantage of this moment of crisis in America. Thank you for listening to Facing Forward. New episodes are available every Friday. Join us each week as we make sense of our changing world together. I'm Margaret Brennan. You can also find me on your CBS Network broadcast station Sunday mornings on Face the Nation or on our digital network, CBSN, at 10.30 a.m., 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. Sundays, or through our Paramount Plus app. Facing Forward is produced by Face the Nations and Shu, Richard Escobedo, and Kelsey Miklas. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platforms and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.
When you're committed to raising the standard, you're bound to ruffle some feathers. At Happy Egg, we like to say we farm differently. But in reality, we produce eggs the way people used to, by partnering with local small family farmers who raise our happy hens on eight or more acres. Because in our opinion, farming shouldn't be complicated. It should be happy. Choose happy with Happy Egg. Visit happyegg.com and look for the yellow carton at a store near you. Happy Egg.